Into the wild I'll go and into the wild I am It's been a while, freedom child Since I left my roots back home Into the wild I'll go Into the wild I am It's been a while, freedom child Since I left my roots back home Welcome to the Free Birth Society podcast. This is a radical space for women who are ready to celebrate their autonomous choices in birth, motherhood, and beyond. Together, we'll learn about wild birth through personal narrative, we'll explore the politics of birth, and we'll analyze everything that relates to our lives as women from a feminist perspective. Here's your host, Emily Saldea. It's been a wild freedom Kate here, creatrix of Womancraft, A Witch's Awakening. Do you find yourself drawn to ritual, divination, and dream work? Are you being called to heal deeply? Do you want to learn the real history of women? Check out my course, Womancraft, A Witch's Awakening, which can be found at freebirthsocietycourses.com slash womancraft, and awaken your inner wise woman today. From the fertile land of Costa Rica, Estonia shares the glorious stories of her two births, from her spiritual conceptions to the divine initiations of pregnancy as deep shadow work. Estonia talks about embracing the ebb and flow of life as a resilient, powerful, and autonomous single mom. All right, my friend, welcome. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. So take us wherever you would like to start. I'm so excited to hear your stories today and you're calling in from Costa Rica. So tell us a little bit about who you are. Okay. Well, I am Estonia Elizabeth Garcia Piano. I am a Kenyan woman living in the tropics of Costa Rica in the Caribbean. Um, I absolutely love it here. I've been here four years now, and it has been incredible. I still get hit with this out-of-body experience of, like, walking down the street or walking on the beach and realizing that I live in a postcard. (laughs) Um, It's a very beautiful place to live and raise children. Um, So raising children for me was, like, an absolute no in any other place that wasn't by the sea mm. <laughs> and needed to live by, wa- by water. Um, I knew that that is how I was meant to raise children, by the ocean. I'm a Pisces. I'm actually a Pisces, Sun, Moon, Mars, Mercury, and Saturn. Um, so like a lot of my major charts <laughs> and my major signs are in Pisces. Um, I grew up between Kenya and Texas. My mother got a, a scholarship to play basketball in Texas, East Texas. And long story short, I ended up getting born in East Texas and then sent back to Kenya. And I grew up in Kenya for several years and then started this migration of back and forth thing. Um, I ended up graduating high school in 
Dallas, Texas and going to university at Texas State in, near Austin. Um, and then I ended up just living in San Marcos. And when I lived in San Marcos, I fell in love with this, this the river that's connected to the Spring Lake, um, the Guadalupe River, it's absolutely beautiful. And the San Marcos River held on to me for a long time, but I knew that I needed to go. I knew that I needed to travel. And sisterhood actually guided me to Puerto Viejo Limon. I was in the online women's circle um, and there was a couple of women that lived here in Costa Rica and they were like, you should come here. Um, I was in the space of like, I wanna just put on a backpack and go travel and just like be out there in the world. So I was like, okay, I'm just, I was already in my travel flow. I lived in Nicaragua for a little bit, lived in New York for a little bit, different areas. Um, and then I was like, okay, I donated my whole house practically. <laughs> uh, and I sized down to a 75 liter backpack um, and a hula hoop. <laughs> of course, you have to have a hula hoop. <laughs> yeah, I have a hula hoop, but I had the hula hoop around my bag. It actually was like an orb around me. <laughs> totally. Yeah, so it was really fun. And I landed here and I fell in love with the Caribbean. And the first week here, everyone's like, what are you doing here? How long are you here for? And I was like, I moved here. And they're like, it's your first time here. And I'm like, yes. And I moved here. <laughs> and so it was, I just, so I was rooted. I felt rooted instantaneously. This beautiful frequency um, of Puerto Viejo. I like to call it Portal Viejo um, because it feels like a portal. It feels like you are floating in a yummy portal. And in the first couple of months of being here, I had some incredible experiences, some herbal bath healing. Um, I went through some really deep cleanses from my womb, my body shedding a lot. And then I got pregnant. <laughs> it was almost like I got groomed for pregnancy when I got here. It was like, oh, and it's really great because one of my friends, one of my sisters that I moved here to, to see, um, she told me in my first week or two that this was a very fertile land. Mm -hmm. And I was like, oh, okay, cool. And I was thinking like, great, I'm going to build a garden and like grow a bunch of food. <laughs> like, I, was so <laughs> I was pregnant. I got pregnant Whoa. in the first like three months <laughs> of being here. Um, and so I was like, okay. And the father and I, he and I were very close friends at the time. We were very, very um, ignited and connected through our inner children. Our inner children is what brought us together. It was like this very strong inner child connection. Um, and we basically stayed in an indigenous farm out in the mountains. We took care of this farm for a Bribi woman for a while. And we we're taking care of this farm. This is where my first baby was made. And it was actually really incredible. I'd love to start here because the conception story of my first child is incredible. I haven't talked about it in a little while and it just, it gives me goosebumps when I think about it because we really intentionally created this child. It was a planned birth, but not to our human selves. <laughs> like our, our spirits were guiding us and it didn't, wow. When I looked back on it throughout my pregnancy, I was like, oh my God, we spent a whole week preparing ourselves to conceive. <laughs> and we were chopping um, we were cleaning, we were clearing out fields with machetes, we were sunbathing out in this huge farm by bananas and all this stuff, just naked sunbathing all the time, <laughs> eating nothing but bananas and fruits and gallo pinto and just 
sharing love and it was so purifying and I remember one one day oh actually two or three days in a row um we did sunbathing out in the garden and we would be alone naked and I had my yoni to the sun and I would just be imagining myself drinking the sun into my yoni and it was like pouring into my body clearing my womb and like yeah I was full-on doing meditations with the sun like penetrating into me and I was like oh yes I'm getting clear I'm getting clean and he was doing the same thing next to me with his body and we're both just like absorbing the sun sun energy and at one point look we looked at the sky and we were talking to the sky one day and the sky was responding the sky was going back and like everything we would say like move this cloud to the left and the cloud would instantly move and we were like oh my god he was like the sky is listening the universe is listening to us right now what do we we should ask for something what should we do let's like let's manifest something because obviously we're tuned in and i was like yeah okay let's do it what are we doing um and he was like let's ask for 10 million dollars now, backstory, three days earlier on the farm, there was this little boy we were taking care of. He was like three years old. And <laughs> this, my, my lover at the time, my partner, he was like playing with this child. And I said to him, wow, you're really great with kids. You'd be, I think you'd be a great father. Like you've got a really good energy with children. And he was like, oh no, he made a joke. And he was like, I could never be a father unless I had $10 million to take care of them. Now, fast forward three days later, we are in the meditation phase. And he's like, let's meditate on $10 million. At this certain moment, he's not remembering the statement that he made in which he equated a child to $10 million, right? And I also didn't remember that in this moment. So I guide us through this out-of-body experience and we meditate and I guide us to leave our bodies, leave Costa Rica, leave this realm, go to the veil, cross over the veil, go into the forest and find this treasure chest that has this golden orb of light inside of it. And we both absorbed this golden orb of light and it was full of abundance and full of the $10 million energy that we were asking for. And we absorbed it into our body being that we were visualizing ourselves with. And then we came back down through the ether into this realm and back into earth and back into Costa Rica and back into our bodies. And when we landed, back in our bodies we flipped out for like 10 minutes actually feeling like we had 10 million dollars like it was the trippiest moment of my life where I actually felt that I had 10 million dollars like every cell in my body felt I had 10 million dollars and I was like oh my god what do I do with 10 million dollars like we were like I made a list of 50 things I was about to do with the 10 million dollars like it was so so real it was the realest feeling I ever had and <laughs> this was my son. We conceived him that night. <laughs> and like, and I just like had, oh man, it's so did insane you, when I think about you, it. Did you name him 10 million? <laughs> <laughs> no, no, but his name is Johari Sol. Um, so Johari in Swahili means uh, a gem, like a gemstone or something of value. And it, it, I chose this name because it reminded me of this golden herb, this treasure. When we opened the treasure chest, he was that gem. Totally. <laughs> That's so cool. Yeah, he was the gem that we absorbed. And Sol is sun in Spanish. And he basically, he was that light. It was like a light. It was a sun. It was a mini sun that we just like. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Um, so this is how he was conceived. And. 
you know, whenever I realized I was pregnant, I was kind of in denial at first. And then I was like, this baby was born. So like he was conceived so intentionally, unintentionally <laughs> that it just has to be, it just has to be this. And so throughout my pregnancy, um, I felt right in the, actually right in the beginning, I had all those feelings of like, oh my God, I'm pregnant in Costa Rica by myself. What am I going to do? <laughs> like, and I had a sister say to me, you have permission to be excited about this. And I was like, oh, okay. Oh, I can be happy about this. Oh, okay, cool. Because I feel like it's such a norm to like get pregnant and, and like stress and get nervous and get upset and think of all the what ifs and all the like shameful thoughts that come up in society of like, ooh, un unplanned pregnancy. Ooh, you're like, I was 22 at the time when I got pregnant. And I was like, ooh, she's young. I don't really feel like I was young. Um, I've been running a household since I was 10 years old. I have taken care of humans since I was young. My birth mother um, fell ill when I was eight years old and she had a stroke and a seizure at the same time and went into a coma for half a year. And when she woke up from this coma, she was wiped clean as a newborn. So she had to relearn how to walk, talk, who she was, who I was, how to eat, like everything. And so I had to care for my mother from this experience of like basically getting reset. <laughs> um, so like, I knew that I knew what it took to, to take care of a human. Mm -hmm. um, I took care of a human. I've taken care of humans, plural. I've been a nanny. Like I knew I had the, the physical skill. So at this point, it was just like a mental game of deciding like, do I want to do this? Mm -hmm. Do I have the will to do this? Do I have the love in me to do this? And I decided that I did. And so... I chose to be excited about it and I chose to be joyful about it and I chose to embrace it even if it you know pregnancy is up and down but it's a choice it's a choice so I went through this pregnancy and I told his father look um we were meant to make this baby for something greater than I can control like this was our spiritual contract here was to make this child <laughs> and I'm giving you the permission to choose like if you want to be here or not be here but you can't do both so just pick one <laughs> be here or don't like I'm giving you full authority to choose because we were in a we were in a relationship for like maybe two months and when we got pregnant so it was really fast and I didn't feel right to like trap him and be like now you have to stay with me forever. <laughs> I was like, let's, I want to choose. I want to create a healthy life for me and my baby. I want my baby to feel loved and nourished. And I don't want him to, um, to be in a household where there's not that love and nourishment where there, I don't want him to be in a household where there's resentment. Um, and so I want you to choose and he chose to go. And, you know, it was kind of hard for me at the beginning. And then I was like, okay, I can make this work. I can make this work. Wow. Um, and I did. <laughs> I ended up meeting another man that I was uh, in a relationship with when at three months pregnant. Um, I told him I was pregnant on my first day meeting him. And he thought I was pretty rad and cool and was like, cool, I just want to be in your life anyway. <laughs> and I was like, okay. And so we did. And he helped me give birth. He was at my birth. Um, I free birthed with him. Um, and so, yeah, so I went through pregnancy and I ate all the pancakes I could possibly desire. <laughs> I 
I had such a pancake craving. <laughs> oh my goodness, I ate so many pancakes. <laughs> I think I hit the quota for my life. Um, and I didn't allow people to tell me what to do. My first pregnancy, what I learned the most was that everybody has an opinion about your pregnancy and how you should do it. <laughs> and I, I was like gladiator with these walls. You know, I was like, no, like I'm, you're not about to tell me. Like this one lady was like, um, you need to be taking folic acid and all this stuff. And I was like, I was like four or five months pregnant. Like eat I went to her, she was my server at a restaurant and I went to get French toast and she was like lecturing me on folic acid. And I was like, sorry, I'm here to eat French toast. I don't want your folic acid propaganda. Like I... <laughs> I, I want I'm your french for, toast i'm here for the french toast and like i refuse because it just i looked at her and i remember saying so why do i need to take folic acid again and she was like it's gonna make it's gonna help your brain develop and blah 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 and i was like oh, okay doesn't the body already produce what it needs for the brain to develop and she's like yeah but it's not enough and i was like why is it not enough since when was it enough not enough you know and she was like, I mean, it was, it was just came out, like, I don't know what she said, like in the sixties or something. She's like, threw a random number. She's like, there's like, it came out that this is really important. And I was like, so you mean to tell me that for centuries and centuries, babies are being made without acid? Like, and they were, they were like not developed brains. Like Shakespeare was not a developed brain. Nope, none of them were. <laughs> um, Einstein was not a developed brain because his mom didn't take folic acid. Is this what you're telling me? And she was just like, um, well, um. <laughs> and I just like, it just you know, like when you ask these questions, they just get stopped, like stumped. They just don't even know where to go. Um, and so like, this is where I started, like, it just became a game to me. Mm -hmm. I was like, this is not even real. I, you know, um, so, you know, fast forward to, the end of the pregnancy actually second trimester wow wow second trimester I feel for me first trimester first pregnancy second trimester um so much shadow work so much shadow work <laughs> like my first trimester I did a lot of healing with my with my father um and my second trimester it was like I all the darkness seeping out of me and what I realized is that my body and soul was like cleansing out and burning out all that needed to be moved to make space for this baby like the more this baby was dropping into my fork my force field um the more things had to get removed out of my force field and both physically and spiritually energetically all of it and I had a purge <laughs> it was like so much clearing so much clearing and so much rage and anger came out um which I found really interesting and I think that this came out from like a millennia of rage and anger that the mother holds um that we don't get to express there was like I remember this graph this one moment where I just went outside and I took a couple of glasses with me and I broke them. <laughs> I like needed, I was like, I have this rage inside of me and I need to 
get it out somehow. And I was just like, I'm going outside. And I took these cups and I went outside and I picked this area. I lived like deep in the jungle with like no neighbors. And I went out in the jungle and I just smashed these cups. <laughs> and it was the most amazing feeling. And I had to just release all this like deep rage inside of me. Um, and some of it was from my, from me. And a lot of it was from my ancestors and my ancestors' ancestors. And it was just so far. Um, and this was really necessary. Like, Every woman I know that's pregnant, I tell them, don't run from the pain um, because pregnancy is like a deep ego death shadow work initiation process. <laughs> like, and it's, it's beautiful. It's like, oh my goodness, the bump and the baby showers and all the nice frilly things are great. But people got to talk more about the shadow work that happens during pregnancy and when I say shadow work to anyone that doesn't like is not familiar with this, it means like healing the the mother wounds, healing the birth wounds, like your own birth story, um, healing abandonment wounds, healing fear, and all the forms of fear that can come up through pregnancy, the not enoughness stories. That like it just there's so much there's so much to cover it and it all comes up <laughs> yeah so in your pregnancy do you engage in the medical complex or are you just doing it wild and free from the I did it, I did it wild and free with my first baby I had zero ultrasounds um and I yeah, I had zero ultrasound. I have a doctor who's a holistic doctor. He's certified. He used to be an OB, an OB um, in San Jose in the capital. And he's delivered like over like hundreds of babies. Um, but he left the medical system because he did not agree with it. He wasn't into it, you know, for all the obvious reasons. Um, and so he has his own private practice. And so I, I had three checkups with him and they all happened after 30 weeks. <laughs> um, so... It was just in the last, and I only did them because Costa Rica required it right, um, exactly. for, for registration. So I just squeezed in three check-ins in the mm -hmm. last uh, couple of weeks. And I listened to his heartbeat with a little handheld doctor and that was about it. That's like the only way that we intervened. Um, I had some, some massages and some um, osteotherapy and like different things done to help my body feel more comfortable and make more space. Mm -hmm. um, but no, I didn't, I did, and all of the, all of that work was done also by holistic private um, practitioners. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, um, with my second pregnancy though, I did have one ultrasound at three months, but it was only because I got hit by a car. <laughs> so like, we had to make sure that there wasn't any internal bleeding. Uh, but other than that, I probably would have done the same wild, like no sound. It was really interesting to see how he responded to the to the ultrasound though. And I, I made it very short. I was like, let's check it. There's no bleeding. Okay, we're done. Like <laughs> it was very in and out quick. Um, yeah. So yeah, well, the reason I was asking about the the relationship to the medical world is because, you know, when I hear women, especially in their first pregnancy, so willing and internally resourced to do the depth, you know, to go to the depths of this work that you're speaking of, I really 
almost exclusively only hear that from women who are walking a wild and free path. Because as I'm sure you of course know, and obviously my listeners know, you know, when we are engaging in, in the medical system as our savior, right? When we are outsourcing our internal, you know, security approval and control, right? When we're outsourcing our power, you could call it, um, we get to live this lie, this illusion that someone else can tell us that things are okay. And so we create this bypass with the system that is unsustainable and ultimately false, right? And so I really appreciate you naming all of that work. And, and I'm just imagining you at 22, just showing up to this new land and just saying, yes, yeah, you know, just all around, just yes yeah. to all of it. It's just such a, it's a really radiant story. Thank you. You know, for me, it was being 22 alone in the tropics of a foreign country by yourself with a very <laughs> little money and a baby in the belly it would be really scary. Mm-hmm, of course. And I've ha- I have this thing with myself where I like to like one up myself. <laughs> so like I'm like always in competition with myself. So if I'm like, oh, I like to challenge myself. I'm like, oh, this is difficult. And I'm like, bet you I can do it. <laughs> and like, and just like I bet myself that I can do it. And then I end up doing it. And then I'm like, Psh, see, sometimes I can do it. And it's it just like it, this is how I get I conjure up that that bravery to do these things. It's like I push, motivate myself through self-competition, which is a healthy form of competition because mm-hmm. we need that, but not with others, only with ourselves. <laughs> um, and I also something I did too with my first pregnancy, especially I listened to zero birth stories. Mm. I listened to zero birth stories and I read zero books. <laughs> the only book I read was Spiritual Midwifery and I only read the end of the book, which is like mostly factual. And I did not read many of the stories. I read, I, I, I skimmed at the beginning, I skimmed a couple and then I said, no, no more. And the reason I did this is because I know my brain and I know that I am, I'm a visual person. And in the moment of birth, I didn't want to pull up someone else's experience into my birth visualization presence and like recreate something that someone else experienced. I didn't want to have that experience. Like I wanted to have a completely raw experience of my own without any outside influence. But then does that imply that you didn't have a lot of negative programming of just being alive in this world through media and every movie you've ever seen you know a birth scene in the movies like yeah all of that all of that I chose to completely unsubscribe to I knew that it was bullshit (laughs) sorry (laughs) but I knew that that (laughs) okay I knew that that was all completely like just like oh my god my water break oh my god I'm giving birth in a car like it's completely idiotic it didn't even make sense so I never really believed in it um my sister that came down to be with me at the birth I had one sister a really really long time friend her son is my godson and and my partner at the time that was it and and she said to me like why aren't you nervous and I looked at her and I said I've given birth thousands of times (laughs) and like this is just the first time in this vessel Mm -hmm. but 
I have given birth thousands of times. Mm-hmm. So all I need to do is think back and remember those times I've given, and I've had visions of myself giving birth in the woods, giving birth in the mountains, giving birth in the middle of the desert, giving birth in the middle of the ocean, like giving birth everywhere. Like I've given birth leaning up against a tree in the Amazon. Like I've given birth in so many different places. And I'm just like, <laughs> oh, I Where haven't do. I given birth? <laughs> I've been alive for a long time. I, this is not my first life here. And I feel like, I've like I've been doing this I've been birthing people for a minute even if you think about it just ancestrally like it's it's in us that every woman before us has given birth to us you know so even if it's from that lens it's it's so obvious I love that so my first pregnancy I chose to rest in the ignorance is bliss Mm -hmm. energy and I was like, I don't want to know anything. I don't want to read anything. I don't want to hear. I would literally stop people mid-sentence when they would start talking about their birth story. I'd be like, mm, I bet it was great. Tell me after I get birth. Because mm-hmm. I, I just, I was like, no, I just don't want anything here. Nothing. And that was the most amazing thing for me to do to myself. Because yeah. when I gave birth, I had a 16-hour labor. Um, actually, it started on Sunday at 12, my mucus plug released. And at that point I was two centimeters dilated. Um, but active labor started Monday evening at like 10, 45. Wait, how oh. did you know that your cervix was already dilated? Well, when the mucus plug releases, it, it releases when the dilation of the cervix is already about two centimeters in general. Like it's, you're always a little bit dilated when the mucus plug releases. So it's like the process is already starting. And that's why it's releasing. Um, and so I, this is actually something I just learned from this old um, indigenous midwife here that I was training with. And she shared this with me and I was like, what? Does that mean that I like technically started labor two days earlier <laughs> than I thought? <laughs> um, and so it was like, this is, this is a part of passive labor. Um, and so Something I, I also forgot to mention is that I predicted the day I was going to go into labor. So going like a month before I had dreams and I, and I was like, ah, oh, June 24th, June 24th, I'm going to have this baby. And I was like, I'm going into labor June 24th. This is the day I'm going into labor. And astrologically, when I looked it up, that day was a very strong day for Pisces and Cancers. Um, they had like a, I think they were they were trining that day with Sagittarius and my partner at the time was Sagittarius, my baby's a cancer and I'm a Pisces and we were trining. And I was like, oh, this is the day. And it was the day that I went to labor. Um, and it started at 1045. Now, this being my first time, I was very um, naive to the experience. So it took me longer to get through it because I was, I was gentle with myself. I didn't like I didn't rush it. I was like exploring these new feelings, breathing through it. I used a lot of cacao and peanuts. I popped cacao and peanuts the entire time. Um, (laughs) It was really great. Highly recommend it. Peanuts, so ideal for birth. Like you just, like you don't have to chew that much. It's really quick. The saltiness, it's great. Cacao, if you can get raw organic cacao wherever you are in the world, (laughs) get it. It gives you a boost of energy, opens your heart chakra. It like, it's so good. So, so good. Um, like, I don't know if you know a little bit about cacao, but the Mayans used to actually offer, um, they used to offer human heart sacrifices back in the day and they traded out 
for cacao because it's like the equivalent energetically to a human heart. So like cacao is really powerful, raw organic cacao. Um, so I was eating raw cacao and yeah, I had a big yoga ball. I had some mantras. We did a lot of breathing, a lot of moving. I had a pool that was out in the garden, but it was cold. I didn't have it heated. I spent two minutes in it. Um, <laughs> it was a great, it was a, it was a beautiful idea, a beautiful setup, but right. I, didn't last. I ended up in the shower. <laughs> yeah, because I was running, like thinking, oh my God, I have to poop. And it was a baby. Um, and <laughs> I, I said, oh, Yes, that because I at the beginning of my labor, I did an enema right away. Um, and so I didn't actually have to do. highly recommend doing an enema in the beginning of the labor, by the way, too. That really helped a lot. Um, and so, yeah, I was in the shower. It was a very small shower. And he came out on my hands and knees. Um, there's, you know, when you go into transition, you're like, I'm tired. I can't do this anymore. I was bargaining to go to sleep and take a nap and like start again the next day. My sister was like, do you want to redo the last 14 hours again? And I was like, no, I can't. And so I like getting this baby out of me. It was a lot harder for me to like get my body open, like my legs to open and actually like do the work. I was so tired. But I got in the shower and my ex got behind me, he put his knee, he put his legs in between my leg, my knees so that it would stay open. Um, and I was a hands and knees. My sister was in front of me and she was massaging from my neck down, downwards, down my spine. Um, and I roared, I roared loudly. And in this position, hands and knees, I was actually visualizing myself as a dragon. And so I saw my head as a dragon and my body was like the body of the dragon and like the tail of the dragon was like going through my yoni. And I remember calling in my grandmother. My grandmother passed away about a year before this birth and she gave birth 11 times. Um, so I called her in and I, I asked her for assistance. And she like in this moment, I'm well off in between worlds right now. Um, but I was very present and I was very like communicative and observing myself in the other worlds and this world. And I'm talking to my grandmother and I ask her, can you please help me? Because his head, I need to get his head out. And she's like, I got you. And my hands started moving in, in ways I wasn't even thinking. You know, when you feel like, when you think about doing the movement, like I wanna drink water. And then suddenly your hand picks up the water and you drink it. Wasn't like this. It was like no thought process, just doing. So my hands, did this position, the the two fingers, I don't know how to describe this. <laughs> Isn't this a hand symbol <laughs> for something? I like I like, from Star Trek or something. I think this is a Star Trek symbol, like the V. Yeah. yeah, I literally did the Star Trek symbol and I put it on his head. So here, and I started pressing the, the skin around and I showed my, my partner to do the opposite on the opposite side. And I used this to slowly and slowly start like, moving the lips around his head and then his head popped and he just stepped right out. Uh, it was crazy. And like, he's, he was beautiful. When he came out, um, we sang to him and we, we sang his birth song, um, which was amazing because he started to like look around and get a little nervous and he was like, oh, what's happening? And then we started singing and he was like, oh, and my son loves music and the first thing he ever heard was music and so when you when you say you sang his birth song 
what was the birth song? Was it a song you made up or what do you mean? Yeah, it's a song that um, we felt was connected to him. Um, that was his song. Um, so, oh, male, ole, mama, oh, male, ole, mama, ole, yo, ole, yo, ole, 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 yo, mama, ole, 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 yo, mama, o male, ole, mama, o male, ole, mama, ole, yo, ole, yo, ole, 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 yo, mama, ole, 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 yo, mama. So that was his first song. And so we just like, chanted this song for like five minutes and just sang this wow. and he was just like wow and yeah, it's like I can be here I can be here. <laughs> yeah he was really digging it yeah it was cool and That's actually my, before my son started doing anything any sound talking he started clicking so he'd be like whoa he'd do that. Cool. yeah so he like would click and sing like click to music and it was great so yeah he's a little musician um so yeah that was oh and actually we ended up sitting in the, you know it's great my partner read books he read the rest of the spiritual midwifery that I didn't and he read a story in there that talked about how if the placenta stays inside longer than an hour you should get help or like find a way to get it out and I was in bliss mode where time is not real and I remember like once he came out and his head got pushed through and he just slipped right out. It was so ecstatic. Oh my goodness, it felt so good. It was like this feeling of total bliss and orgasmic. I went from super high intensity to like super low relaxation, like just relaxation to the max. And I was just laying, leaning up against the wall, holding him on my chest in total bliss and love. And like an hour flew by as if, I, I swear to you, I thought it would have been two minutes. Mm -hmm. And he was like, I, I was like, it has been like two to five minutes. And he's like, no, it's been an hour. <laughs> and I was like, what? <laughs> and he was like, we need to get this placenta out of you. The placenta ended up coming out three hours later. It took, it, my body was too exhausted to, to push it out. So uh, my, my doctor that I mentioned earlier ended up coming to my house to help me get it out. Um, and so we I had to cut the cord and I wanted to do a lotus birth, but because my placenta didn't immediately release, I had to um, cut the cord and we just did a little wiggle maneuver. Actually, he had to restart my contractions manually, which was intense. Um, and then we wiggled out the placenta um, and ended up uh, planting it in our garden. We have a tree, it's, I think it's a frangipangi. Oh, I'm so bad. I think I just butchered that name. Um, it's like the Hawaiian tree that they use for like lace and little pink mm -hmm. and little, yeah. We have one of those and it, it makes like an infinity. The roots, no, not the roots. The two branches made an infinity sign. Cool. Out of, out of this tree. And that we planted seems like the appropriate place to plant a placenta. <laughs> yeah, and we planted it there with this infinity tree. Um, which is where his birth pool was. He was supposed to be born wow. next to the infinity tree, but it was too cold. It didn't work out. <laughs> but yeah. So yeah. And um, he was a blissful baby. He was very relaxed. Um, my child is so relaxed and happy. And actually both children are. And I, and I really credit that to the birth. He spent three hours out, born, born with his placenta still inside of me. So it was like this really slow transition because the placenta is still like his organ. So he was only like half out 
in a way. And then his placenta came out. Like once he was fully acclimated with being out to a degree, then the rest of him came. And I think that that really made a difference in how he felt comfortable and safe in the world. I think that this is what, because we just spent that whole time staring at each other and still connected to each other, but on the outside. So it was a very slow transition. With my second baby, we were able to do a successful lotus birth. It disconnected at four days. Um, his pregnancy was also unexpected. Um, the father, his father, I met him when me and my first son, we had been sing. I had been single mom living with my first son for almost a year when Wait, I met. So, well, yeah, I want to get that right. So the, the partner who was at your birth was gone at some point in the first year. He, yeah. So I don't want to go too deeply on this, but I'm going to just touch base quickly to, for the details, just to understand. Um, he wanted, he let me, led me to believe um, through that whole postpartum dysphoria um, that he wanted to have a family with me. And what I realized later on is that he actually was really manipulating me a lot. Um, and he wanted to gain residency in Costa Rica through my child um, is, is what I feel was really motivating him. He also had his own motivations of wanting to create his own child with his own seed and was always making me feel like my son wasn't enough for him um, because he didn't make him. Um, and we had issues with this even in, in my pregnancy where when I got bigger and he refused to make love with me because um, of the baby and would like tell me that my ex, his, my baby's father was still a part of me and he didn't want to, you know, it was super, it was really messed up. And so um, he like really manipulated me, even like the mind game. This is why for me, I'm working as a postpartum doula right? because it's so important to me to support postpartum mothers. Like it's, this is such a sensitive time for us. And especially I have PTSD from my book, my first postpartum because of this man, um, because he, two months two months after giving birth he was convincing me to try to give him another child for oh, him my lord yeah and I was like so in the euphoria of like I want a family for my babies I want a big like I don't I don't want to be alone I'm in love with this man he just delivered he just caught my child that I gave birth to like you know and it's like this like all these hormones and things and the brain chemistry fucking with you and making you feel like oh yeah this is a good idea and then like he signed the birth certificate and then two months later after when my son was four months old he received news of an inheritance that he was receiving early and he left to San Jose overnight and wrote me a Facebook message um, when he was in the capital five hours away that he wasn't coming back. Oh, and, shit. Yeah. So I ended up just one day being alone again with my baby. Just the two of us living in the living like 23 years old with a four month old baby. Little little money, um, no family support, nothing like very intense. And because he signed the birth certificate, I couldn't legally take my son out of the country because Costa Rica takes has a law mm -hmm. of um, not being. You have to sign. Both parents have to sign to remove the child to travel. Did you and ever he left. get him off it? 
No, actually. Um, so it's been like two and a half years and my child still cannot leave the country. Oh just God. this just this month, actually, this man just returned. Uh, and I just saw him <laughs> um, a couple of weeks ago. He's here now. Um, and so we're in the process of figuring that out in this current moment and trying to get that paperwork handled. So yeah, that's how that ended up. So I ended up- He's willing to be cooperative about it now? Oh yeah, because after he left, he ended up like finding another woman. He manipulated his way into getting pregnant (laughs) and she had a child with him. And I think that she's, I don't know what they're trying to do, Mm -hmm. but it's important to him to, he wants to close the chapter also. Okay, good. And so, yeah, we're working on that. And so anyway, I this is how I ended up being a single mom in Costa Rica with my four-month-old alone. I landed a house um, through offering my blood to the garden. <laughs> I started bleeding and I was staying at this house and I started pouring, I was free bleeding into the garden. And then one day the owner of the house came and asked me if I wanted the house for a three-year contract. And I was like, sure. <laughs> and it was like a really... It was a beautiful like spot, five minutes from the beach, um, two bedroom house, two bathrooms, like $330 a month for three years. It was amazing. I like landed a jackpot house. Um, And I- How many women that are going to go put their blood onto some nice house somewhere? (laughs) (laughs) And it's crazy because I wasn't doing it with that intention. I literally just like wanted to offer my blood to the garden there instead of pouring it down the toilet drain I was like I felt I was doing art with it and giving it to the garden like I just wanted to honor the blood and the girl who lived there left to Spain in the same the same day that she told me I think I want to leave to Spain and I and I'm and would you be interested in the house and I was like oh maybe and then the landlord came and said hey the house is yours now um when she leaves (laughs) and I was like oh okay Uh, So we lived there uh, through the whole pandemic and everything. And it was actually really great because we got hit very softly with the pandemic here. Sorry for the rooster. He's having a moment. (laughs) Um, Yeah, but we got hit hit very, very gentle with COVID here. Um, It was not intense. We basically just... I was still going to ecstatic dances, having cuddle piles, like the beach was technically closed, but I lived literally on the beach, like five minutes away. So I just went whenever I wanted because nobody was there. I actually constantly had a private beach, which was great. Um, And my son and I got into a really steady rhythm with each other. And about when he was a little over a year old, I met his, uh, my second child's father. And we had a beautiful connection. And he, he and my first child, are very strongly connected. They have a beautiful relationship. They fell in love with each other right away. And then my second child came along unexpectedly. And um, yeah, I had also a wild pregnancy with him. I craved a lot of meat with him. His father's Argentinian and they eat, they live off of like meat, cheese and bread. (laughs) And so I was craving hamburgers and I was eating gourmet burgers for like breakfast it was insane it was insane um because this is what my body asked for and I strongly 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 suggest to always eat whatever your body asks for during pregnancy you know a lot of people will be like no I want to have an alkaline pregnancy cool do that I want to have a vegan pregnancy cool do that I want to like eat all the chicken in the world cool do that my first pregnancy I ate all the pancakes in town I had a restaurant that had a specific menu item just for me that was like gallo pinto with pancakes like 
which is not a, it was just like my thing it was gaio pinto with pancakes and, and a fruit bowl and That's i ate it all the time it was like five dollars and because i was there every single day and so you know i feel like when you're pregnant your body craves what it wants um to be nourished you're also not always eating just for nourishment we eat for our ancestors too we eat for our ancestors and sometimes i i got to this point where i accepted my ancestors crave certain things through me hmm. so i have to eat things to satisfy them as well because it's not just me that i'm eating for because this flesh is not just mine i am my ancestors prayers embodied i am my ancestors embodied again and so i carry everything that comes along with them so my father's side of the family he they are luya in Kenya, the Luya tribe, and my mother is Luo. Luyas are known for farming chicken. And so for both of my pregnancies, I, I re-adopted chicken back into my life. When I was when I pre-pregnancy with my first child, I was fully vegetarian and like mostly vegan most of the time. And then my pregnancy is just like, all right, I need protein. I need to eat meat. This is grounding for me. This is like feels good for me I, I found good sources and with the right sources and handling it felt really good for my body to have this energy um, and so until the moment that I, I get to where I don't need it and I know that everything is in seasons and I've just like understood that my my diet through pregnancy slash breastfeeding is a season of my life and it doesn't need to like define like oh this is how I'm gonna eat forever this is how yeah. I need to eat now you know um, so yeah, I craved burgers and I ate burgers all the time. And I had also a wild pregnancy. I only did the ultrasound that one time because I was um, hit by a car on my motorcycle um, and I was three months pregnant. And before I got pregnant with my second child, I was hosting ecstatic dances um, every week. And I continued to do that through my pregnancy. So every week, all the way through my seven months of pregnancy, I was doing ecstatic dance every single Monday for three, like two hours. Um, so my first son, my second son is, he loves dancing <laughs> because we danced every single week. Um, and even now I can put him in a, in a wrap and go out and like dance and he'll just sleep. And I can like full on like have a good time and like play and hang out with my friends because he's passed out. It's like just like being in the womb. Um, and with both of my babies, I also did a lot of attachment parenting where I wrap. I always wrap them to me. I always hold them. I co-sleep with them. My oldest sleeps in his own bed now. He also self-weaned off of um, breast milk. He's really independent. And I feel like this comes a lot from a year of just straight, all the time together we had a steady routine a steady structure and babies thrive off structure they thrive off stability they thrive off connectedness um, right like they'll be more independent they'll be more independent the more you give them that in the beginning and I think so many people rush to be like okay I've given birth to the baby now let's get this baby independent fast like and it's like no man just let it be a baby let it be a baby, let it whine, let it be in your arms all day, let, let it just, let them be a baby, you know, let them, let them be close to you, because your heartbeat is all they listen to for so long. <laughs> you have to create a life where you can let 
your baby be a baby. And most people, most women, you know, unfortunately don't have lives where they created with, with awareness, consciousness, you know, whatever to let their babies be babies. It's so freaking. Yeah. Our society doesn't support that. It doesn't support like, um, a healthy expression of (laughs) nesting. Like the nesting, nesting is, I, oh, with both of my children, I nested for 40 days without taking them outside only for like little walks outside and um, one-on-one, but yeah, we did 40 day nesting. Um, With my second one, I had meal train set up where I had food, food brought, Um, you know, it's really, really good to make sure that people know that postpartum slash nesting is, is at least the first year. (laughs) and nesting is not just like that period of time where you're like in the bed holding each other all the time this is great but nesting is the whole first year like you are holding them like a kangaroo like they should be like a like the kangaroo patch like I use kangaroos as examples all the time because you see they hold their babies right there you know and this is how we're supposed to be doing it too because they want to feel safe and close and when those needs get met early right from the beginning then as they get older they're not grasping and reaching for those needs from all these other avenues mm-hmm. and then when they become adults they're not like so they're not uh, supplying those needs with with drugs and alcohol and sex and all these other things like to try to void. to try to fill that void of like what everybody is looking for is that holding from the mother and the way for us to really create a change in this world is to start holding our babies longer. Because these, these new humans, first of all, these pandemic babies, they hit different. They're strong. They're like, they're, <laughs> they're completely different. Like every baby I've met that's been made in, in this last two years is just like progressing really quickly, extremely alert, very intelligent. Like they, have upgraded themselves psycho like consciously and as parents of this generation it's our duty to really guide and love and nourish them specifically in the ways that we maybe didn't receive ourselves and this is how we break these patterns this is how we create a better future um so i feel really passionate about that and so my second son um he was incredible we were gifted a jacuzzi to give birth in um, by a, friend, a sister friend that also gave birth in this jacuzzi and this jacuzzi has gone on to be passed around our community here and it has had several other babies birthed in it um so did and, you wind up birthing at this cute little house that you gave your blood to no so this cute little house that i gave my blurred blood to blurred <laughs> blood to <laughs> i gave my blurred um it it ended up i ended up moving out of there after a while um there was some shift of energies and I needed to shift. And funny enough, here I am. It's actually great because with my second baby, um, I was in search of a new place to live after we left our birth house. And around three months, which is just a month earlier than the last house I found with my first son, around three months, I found another house, which I am sitting in currently. And I was also offered this house for a three-year contract. (laughs) Same deal over again the exact same deal twice and I was like how does this get how does this happen twice like 
my children manifested this for themselves. They yeah, wanted this, that like, sun meditation you did a while back, just calling in abundance left and right. Yeah, exactly. Because that ten million dollars is still coming. Yeah, it's exactly. still coming. Exactly. Yeah, it's still coming. Beautiful. Still pay, paying up. Yeah. So we gave birth. My my first second son. Um, that was a fast birth. I actually remember saying all the time, like, I want to give birth in four hours, <laughs> just because I was like, I want to get it done. <laughs> I don't want to be in there forever. <laughs> like sixteen hours is way too long. But then, um, funny enough. I ignited my labor with my second child unintentionally, again, intentionally, <laughs> spirit-led by doing rapé. Do you know what rapé is? Um, yeah, the fermented, yeah. Rapé, right? Yeah, I, it's- You mean the- The first the, is uh-huh, rapé. Yeah. Uh, it's fermented tobacco um, ingested through the nose. My God, and, you did that before labor. <laughs> I didn't, I didn't think about it. So this is the thing. My children, my oldest was sick. He had like a little cold. Um, and my partner was also getting sick. And then that night I was feeling myself getting sinusy and it was like my 39th week or something. Or yeah, I was like almost a 40. And I was like, oh my God, no, I think maybe I wasn't 40. And I was like, I can't get sick. The baby's about to be born. Everybody's sick. This can't happen. So I went. You got to snort some tobacco. <laughs> I love it. You're, you're in the jungles of Costa Rica. I get it. Yeah. So I go to the bath. I go outside and I like grab my stuff and I did some rapé. I did two rounds of rapé. I cleared out my, my third eye and cleared out my sinuses and I could breathe. Because also like if I can't breathe, I get really irritated. Like, totally. It's so, so hard for me. Um, and I, yeah, I needed to get that out. And rapé really helps me to just clear out my sinuses and like open and breathe and really center. And so I did that uh, around 11 o'clock-ish, 1.30 in the morning, I wake up with contractions <laughs> at like, they were like 20 minutes apart. And I was like, oh God, okay, we're here. Um, and by four o'clock, I had gone from 10 minutes apart to three minutes apart between four to 5 a.m. in one hour. And this baby was coming. And I was like talking to my birth team and I was, you know, jungle problems, right? Because the day before we didn't have water. They cut off our water because they were putting pipes in the street or something. So we didn't have water the day before. We had a house full of dishes, so much laundry. There was so much to do. And it was five o'clock in the morning. My son is asleep and I'm literally going, I'm three minutes apart. And my whole birth team is like at home. And I was talking to one of them already. And I was just like, guys, I think this baby's coming now. So I hope it's okay to say this on here. But I took a bong rip. <laughs> You are not the first mother to share this on the podcast. <laughs> your title of your episode is going to be From Ape to Bong Rips. <laughs> second bird. <laughs> I took a bong rip and I ate some rice and beans. Do. I, I took a bong rip and I ate some rice and beans and I took a nap and it slowed down. It went down to like six minutes apart and I took a nap. Um, and like I woke up around like 830 or so. And my, one of the sisters had already arrived and she came in like a fairy and just like the water was back and she cleaned everything, organized everything. I woke up and I was in a whole new house oh. um, and it was great. And then the, the rest of the team came and I had a birth playlist. I put on the playlist. My oldest son was just walking around in his red basketball shorts and shirtless and just watching me. 
and my three sisters, I had three sisters come to support me and they were amazing. They were my rocks. I would be, we had a system. I would start a contraction or a surge and I would just yell, it's happening. And they would all rush to me, two on, two on each side and one in the back. And we would hold each other and just breathe through it and it would pass. And then they would disperse and go do their own thing. <laughs> and, uh, and I was dancing with a hula hoop um, to my playlist for a while. Um, this was really fun, actually. I hula hoop dancing through through contractions is really great. It really helped a lot. It actually made it less painful. Um, I because I it, I don't know why the energy was moving. Um, and then I took another nap uh, when my son took a nap. And then when my son woke up from his nap, my other friend came. I had so much beautiful support. I had another sister come and take my older son, my two year old, to the beach to go hang out. Uh, it was like 12 30 ish and then I they woke me up and when I got woken up I was like oh, I'm tired I don't want to because prior to that nap I was like going in and out in between realms like I would get a surge and then boom I was somewhere else eyes closed and then boom landing back into the body and then going and then I'm back in the body and so then I'm, I was like I need a break I'm napping I was napping woke up and my friend, um, Amanda, she was like, you have to eat some honey. You have to restart you. She made me take two spoonfuls of honey and I hated it. I like hated it. I was like, oh, I do not want to eat this honey right now. I love sweet things, but not like, like that strong. So and she put cacao on it too. And so I ate these two spoonfuls of honey, um, went on my yoga ball and I threw up. And I threw up and my water broke all at the same time. And it was intense. It was so intense. And I look at my I looked at her and I was like, I need this baby out of me now. And she was like, I think you might be getting ready. And I was like, Great, I'm going in the jacuzzi. And she's like, Are you sure? If you get too soon, you can slow yourself down. And I was like, No, we're ready. And it was like maybe 1:30 at this time, 1:30, 1:45. Um, so we go into the jacuzzi and I was kicking and flapping. And first I go in the water and completely submerge underwater because I'm a Pisces and I had to swim it out. And then I looked at them and I was like, why were you holding this back from me this entire time? This is amazing. <laughs> Get this woman in the water. <laughs> so good. It was, it felt, it was really hot. It was like 38 degrees Celsius, which is probably a little bit too hot, but it was perfect for me. I love hot water. Um, and so I ended up like, there was this tree with a branch right next to the jacuzzi. We wrapped a big sheet around it for me to like pull on. Um, and my partner was standing behind me, putting pressure on my lower back and my legs were flopping around like a dolphin everywhere. <laughs> um, and pushed this baby out. He was a lot bigger than his brother. So his head popped out and then I had two more pushes to get his shoulders out. But I remember just being there and feeling his head popped out and oh my God, when his head popped out, he was wiggling his body inside of the cervix. And it was like, it's the craziest, it's like. If you would imagine, like, you just can't, there's no way to imagine this. It's a crazy feeling. Like, I actually thought his father was behind me, holding his head, twisting him like a light bulb, like trying to wiggle him out of me or something. I was a like, lot of women will be like, stop touching me. And the partner's like, I'm literally not. <laughs> yeah, he's like, I'm not touching his head. And I was like, oh my God, he's moving himself. Mm -hmm. And yeah, it was such an amazing feeling. And then he came out and, um, that was really beautiful. And fun fact, 
for the placenta this time, I got it out by blowing my nose. <laughs> I blew my nose and it helped me because I was too tired again to like contract my belly. So I had my body instinctively just needed to sneeze. Like him latching didn't ignite the placenta coming out. So I randomly had this feeling that I needed to sneeze. And I was like, can someone pass me a tissue? I really need to sneeze. And they're like, yeah. And they gave me a tissue and I sneezed and the placenta came out. And I was like, oh, thanks body. Like, isn't that crazy? And my body just was like, oh, let's just sneeze right now. And you're gonna flex your abs and then the placenta will come out. Um, we have a beautiful vessel where like a whole spirit comes through us and 3D prints itself into this world. Like our bodies are magic. They're straight magic. And it's absolutely incredible. It is the greatest service to humanity that I could have ever mm. offered. <laughs> um, and greatest service to life. Yeah. I feel like I'm at service to life. I'm at service to love, at service to God. <laughs> when you see like what comes out of this, you know? So yeah, and you know, Lotus birth the second and He's also very calm and chill and beautiful, happy baby and very advanced. He already has two teeth. He had teeth coming in at three months and he's five months and crawling already. Um, so I'm, yeah, I'm very blessed with two very beautiful, happy and joyful and sociable children. My first child fist bumps everybody in this town. There's some people that know him before they know me. They're like, oh, you're yeah. your mom. And I'm like, yes, that's my son. Like, <laughs> you little social butterfly. <laughs> Yeah. And yeah. did you say that you're currently solo parenting again? Yeah. So like we said, um, when we spoke earlier, my second child's father, you know, his, his father um, left when he was a young boy. Um, he's Argentinian, but they grew up in Brazil. He moved to Brazil when he was 12. And his father left when he was like a few, a few couple years younger than that. Um, and you know, what I've discovered is, and observed, um, is really difficult for men to know how to hold space and be a pillar through the experience of postpartum um, and like the transformation of becoming a father without proper support for themselves. Like if they don't have the proper examples and support from men in their surrounding or in their family um, to help them understand this process or how to like understand their woman too. It is really difficult. Um, he also, he got thrown into a big shift, you know? When we met, he was a single man. And then over the span of a year, he became a father of two. And he lost his father when my two-year-old turned two on his birthday. And his, and his father died a month after I gave birth to our second child, my second child. And he didn't really have the time and space to fully process these losses. His grandmother also died during my pregnancy with our child in my second pregnancy. She died in second trimester um, and she was like his queen. And so like he lost, he got a lot of grief that he never really processed. And I know that because I was living with him and I could see that he was playing that like superhero role like yeah I got this I'm gonna do this and then do what I need to do and keep moving forward um but it was actually harming me more and harming himself more and harming the environment more that he wasn't 
feeling his feelings and wasn't doing the work. Um, There's a lot of growth that he's needing to expand into and it just wasn't, it wasn't an emotionally safe environment for me, for him or for the children to be doing it together. Mm -hmm. Um, So at the moment I'm doing it on my own and he's healing. hopefully. (laughs) And I, yeah, and I actually feel, I feel okay. You know, I I feel really confident in myself. Um, And this, this, this last pregnancy and this last birth healed a lot of my relationship with my own birth family too. And I've, I've been healing a lot around my inner child. Um, I've been doing a lot of inner child work for a long time. I hold, I host retreats in Costa Rica. And so my retreats are basically about transformation. And I started something called the Phoenix Rising Collective in which we, we work in that ring of fire. We channel that energy of the ring of fire that we all go through through birth. We experience that on a daily basis. We experience that in our lives. We experience that death and rebirth energy all the time. And for me, what I've, what I've found is my mission since my first birth is that I am meant to help people remember what to do, how to get through that ring of fire, how to actually rise from the ashes, how to push through the burn and rise to our highest potential. And our highest self is our inner child. Our inner child is our highest self. And our inner child is our shadow self too. And when we don't um, know how to relate with that energy and when we don't know how to become um, in, in alignment with our inner child, then it's very easy for us to fall into patterns that are typically expressed through our shadow self. Um, but when we are intentionally empowering ourselves, standing in our truth, standing in our voice, standing in our presence, embracing our creations, our dreams, um, embracing our yeses and our noes, and honoring our inner children, honoring ourselves. That's when our inner child channels that creativity and that joy and that curiosity that drives life, that brings abundance, that brings love, that brings all the things. All of that stuff that we want to create in our life comes when we tap into a specific kind of joyful um, presence in our hearts. And that joy is activated through the inner child. It's like this innocence. Um, and so, yeah, I have actually, I have a retreat coming February, February 27th through March 3rd. And I'm so stoked about it because, you know, my last retreat I did was before COVID started and I wanted to start again, but then I got pregnant <laughs> and I was like, okay, let me just have this baby <laughs> and then we'll get back to doing this work. Um, so yeah, I, I encourage, if anyone is interested in coming out to Costa Rica and joining one of these retreats or learning more about these retreats, you can contact me and Instagram through, um, Jungle Moon Mama that will be shared here, um, by Freebo Society. And also, um, you can just reach me directly, um, through email at living.gratitude.wellness at gmail.com living gratitude wellness um and 
yeah, I love to share. I love to share. And it's, it's such an honor to share my gifts and to share my presence and my magic to ignite and be a mirror to all the other people around me in the world to remember their gifts and their magic um, and be empowered and sovereign. <laughs> Beautiful. Yeah. Thank you so much for all that you shared today. And yeah, I'm really, really in awe of the grace that you have have chosen. It's really beautiful. Thanks. It's all a choice in life. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Love it. And that's it for today, my sisters. Check out everything we do, including one-on-one -on -one and group coaching, learn about our private membership, in-person retreats, and more on freebirthsociety.com. Our online courses are on freebirthsocietycourses.com, including our flagship course, The Complete Guide to Free Birth. Don't miss the Radical Birthkeeper School if you're ready to become the authentic midwife that women are searching for. Together we rise and the revolution starts inside each of us. I'll leave you with our Free Birth Society theme song, Wild Woman by Aruba Red. I honor you for the wisdom you held, the ancient traditions of plant medicine and womb magic. I feel the spirit of the ancestors as I place my hands upon my belly. This sacred portal will be honored. Eons upon light beams of survival withstanding the eradication of our power by design. I will not allow the separation of our young to be forced upon me. My sisters will no longer birth in captivity. The picket line redefined from burning our wild women to paralyzing us and drugging our babes. Strapped down in a clinical white bed, drying up the milk from our breasts, keep your needles. My family will never again be doomed to chase those dragons or your poison. We reject your fear. We choose love. Everything with intention. Death, ascension. I will fly and bring her back from the start. Conscious conscience.